Online, good evening. Welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's broadcast, being a Thursday, we have our women feature as we focus on business masterclasses with Vanessa Perimol. But for now, though, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the church and in Africa. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Thursday evening, Apostolic Nuncio addresses SACBC plenary. Gabonese bishops ask for peace. And the UN condemns Al-Shabaab attack on Mogadishu Hotel. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. We begin with church news. The Apostolic Nuncio Archbishop Peter Wells addressed the SACBC plenary in Pretoria on Wednesday. In a wide range of talks, Archbishop Wells expressed the hope that the bond of fellowship already forged with the bishops would grow from strength to strength. After discussing the year of mercy and the Pope's call to continue living it, the Nuncio looked at the faces of mercy and how to leave them. Moving on to the abuse of women and children, he expressed satisfaction that the SACBC has proclaimed the feast day of St. Josephine Bakita on February 8 as a day of prayer and reflection on the continuing scourge of the abuse of women and children, particularly with regard to human trafficking. On the issue of absent fathers in our society, Archbishop Wells said he was impressed by the number of dioceses encouraging men's forums, groups and sodalities with the specific aim of challenging Catholic men to fully respond to their responsibilities as husbands and particularly as fathers. He also urged the bishops to look at the wider dimension of all that is necessary to foster mature Catholic families and suggested the program of families family spirituality. He reminded the bishops of the 15th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops, which will take place in October 2018, dealing with the topic Young People, the Faith and Vocational Discernment. According to the Catholic bishops of Gabon, the current situation in their country is catastrophic. Gabon is going through a profound political and social crisis after the election of President Ali Bongo Odimba, criticized by the opponent Jean Ping during the consultation on 27 August. The situation was so tense that on September 11, Pope Francis had appealed so that all parties renounce violence. A Gabonese opposition delegation went to Brussels on 24 January to remind the European Union of its responsibility to ask for a recount of the presidential elections after a report of European observers published in December said that there was an opaque process in the counting operations. 
Meanwhile, the bishops have appealed to all believers, Christians, Muslims, and those who belong to traditional religions not to be manipulated by unscrupulous politicians, urging all to say no to violence. The Gambian president, Adama Barrow, has indicated that he'll return to his homeland accompanied by a senior UN official. Mohamed Ib Shambas, head of the UN office for West Africa and the Sahel, is to travel with the new leader from Senegal, where he has been staying due to security concerns. President Barrow's installation ceremony was held in Senegal due to the crisis generated by former Gambian President Yahya Jammeh's refusal to cede power after losing elections held in December. Stephanie Ducharek is the UN spokesperson. Mr. Chambas indicated that his office will spare no effort in supporting stability and nation-building in the Gambia. He will continue to promote a smooth and peaceful transition of power in the country and further advocate for national unity and reconciliation. The UN Office for West Africa has already deployed staff to the Gambia to assist the government in ensuring a smooth transfer from the previous administration to the new authorities. And as uh, you will have seen, President Barrow is scheduled to return to the Gambia tomorrow, and Mr. Chambas is expected to accompany him on his trip home from Senegal. There has been a dramatic increase in human rights violations in the Democratic Republic of the Congo DRC in the past year. The United Nations Joint Human Rights Office documented over 5,000 violations committed across the country. Close to 64% of the abuses recorded are associated with the electoral process. Armed groups operating in the volatile eastern part of DRC are responsible for more than 700 deaths. Jocelyn Sambira asked the United Nations Joint Human Rights Director and Representative in the DRC, Jose Maria Arenas, to outline the key findings of the report. The Joint Human Rights Office has documented a dramatic increase in human rights violations in the territory of the Democratic Republic of the Congo amounting of a 30% increase compared to 2015. The state actors, including the police, the army, and the security services, are responsible for the majority of these abuses. And the armed groups have committed 36% of the violations. More than 1,000 civilians were killed in the provinces in conflict, more than 348 victims of sexual violence in the provinces in conflict, and we documented over 1,102 violations of political rights and freedoms related to the electoral process, which show a steady shrinking pace of the democratic space in the DRC. What has been done to reverse this trend? Let's start with the election violence. With regards to the political violence related to the political tensions and to the upcoming electoral process, the mission has had a reposturing of its assets concentrating in the areas, in the urban areas where political tensions are likely to occur, like in Sasa, Lubumbashi, and Goma, with reinforcement of the military, police, and human rights presence, uh, also a stronger advocacy with regards 
to the national actors, both the state actors, other politicians. The international community is very worried about this increased trend. And in fact, the Security Council expanded the mandate of the group of experts to name perpetrators of electoral or political violence to the sanctions committee. And as a matter of fact, a number of security officials have been sanctioned by the United States and the European Union for their participation in political violence. The mission has adopted a pretty strong advocacy and prevention role with the rebalancing of the assets that used to be and staff that used to be concentrated in the East up until the beginning of, of last year and with an aim to prevent uh, some of these violence. What have been the recommendations of your office in light of your recent findings? We've been quite persistent with a message that the gear has to be changed, the trend has to be reversed if the electoral process is to be credible. And that requires, among other things, allow for peaceful demonstrations for opposition and the ruling party alike for allow for the media to broadcast and enable full freedom of expression, association and assembly as per in the Congolese constitution, also to stop the instrumentalization of the judiciary and to bring the perpetrators of human rights abuses to justice. All that combined with the release of political prisoners are at the center of the confidence-building measures that were negotiated between the government and the opposition with the mediation of the Catholic Church in the 31st December agreement. A youth employment project launched on Wednesday by the United Nations and its partners aims to create more than 600 jobs for young people in Tunisia over the next five years. Pen has this report. It's the second phase of an initiative which has already generated more than 1,250 jobs, including over 160 business startups in four governorates of the country. It will now be expanded to 14 vulnerable governorates, with $14 million being invested in training courses, business coaching and technical assistance for aspiring and existing entrepreneurs. The program is a partnership between the UN Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, the U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID, the Italian Development Corporation, and the Hewlett-Packard Foundation. The United Nations Assistant Mission in Somalia has condemned the Al-Shabaab coordinated suicide bombing attack on Wednesday at a hotel in Mogadishu, which killed 28 people. Nick Harper reports from the UN in New York. The spokesman for the United Nations Mission in Somalia, Joseph Contreras, said the attack provided new evidence of the extremists trying to derail the country's electoral process, with the attack coming just ahead of presidential elections. The attackers rammed a vehicle packed with explosives into the front of the hotel that's often used by Somali lawmakers. They then launched a gun attack on the soldiers stationed there and the guests inside. A second car bomb went off several minutes later once paramedics and journalists had arrived on the scene. At least 43 people were injured in the coordinated attacks, including seven journalists. 
And lastly, on to some international news, Mexico's president is considering canceling next week's visit to Washington, following President Donald Trump's order to begin construction of a wall between the two countries. In a nationally televised speech late Wednesday, President Enrique Piena Nieto said he regrets and rejects the U.S. decision and repeated that Mexico would not pay for the wall, despite Trump's assurance that it would. James Blair's reports from Mexico. Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto is due to go to Washington next Tuesday for a meeting with U.S. President Donald Trump. But following Trump's latest announcement that a border wall will indeed be constructed as soon as possible, Mexico will certainly end up by paying for it, even via a complicated method, shows that political ground has been cut from beneath the Mexican government. Accordingly, Peña Nieto has yet again condemned the expected yet unwelcome move, reiterating his refusal to cough up a red cent or even a centavo, the rekindled distant neighbor syndrome. Yet, there's a very real possibility that the North American Free Trade Agreement might be scrapped in a stroke of a pen via an executive presidential order unless Peña Nieto complies by towing the line. Senior opposition leaders in Mexico are urging the president to cancel his official visit. And those were your headlines this Thursday evening. Thank you once again for joining me this Thursday evening. This is Catholic View on Radio Veritas 576 AM. Coming up next is our woman feature. Women on the African continent are generally treated as second-class citizens. They do not enjoy the same positions as men. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Some men refuse to invest in the education of their daughters because they say they will soon get married. Because I am female, I'm expected to aspire to marriage. I'm expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same? We raise girls to see each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political and economic equality of the sexes. Women on the Forefront, a program dedicated to women who are making a difference. Welcome back to our Women Feature. Today we focus on Business Master Classes with Vanessa Perimo. Owner of JT Combs, Vanessa Perumal has launched diverse products offering in the communications, marketing, inventing, PR, business and media sectors. Vanessa is self-funded and through her pioneering efforts creates business solutions that enables sustainable models to create jobs, enable staying power and unlock future opportunities. This year, JT Combs will host a number of business masterclasses for entrepreneurs with the aim to use theirs and other business experiences to empower and teach other entrepreneurs. 
The inaugural event will take place this Friday and will offer masterful insights into the entrepreneurial experience from JTCOM's owner, Vanessa Perumal, CEO of Belima Solutions, Debbie Don Pierrot, and business and marketing strategy consultant, Zin Mabasso. Vanessa explains how the idea came about. Uh, thank you for having me, Sheila. Uh, Sheila. You know, as you progress, this is my 13th year in business, and um, things evolve and things change. And as a social entrepreneur, you know, while my passion is about finding world peace, I'm now beginning to understand the importance of being economically empowered. And in that space, I'm understanding the importance of growing your own knowledge base and uh, investing in what you know so that you can make business a part of how you master life. Because once you are able to influence how you can earn money, it's easier then to put yourself in a decision-making position. And then then you can get into positions where you can ask for social cohesion uh, to become part of an everyday life. So the business masterclass is something you know. I'm a deep, I'm, a, I'm uh, I received a scholarship from Goldman Sachs, ten thousand women, and uh, I'm one of three hundred African women that received the scholarship. So essentially, you know, having gone through a master's program in entrepreneurship, the way I myself have bounced back from a near bankruptcy, and how I am able to engage and employ people, you know, as I speak to you, it's January, it's payday. I'm not sure how I've been able to do it, but my staff have been paid this morning. You know, uh, I've been able to pay the university fees for my daughter. I'm also able to buy uh, a couple of uh, equity deals or get myself involved in equity deals. Sitting back on holiday, I realized, you know, I've done all of this with no but other people's money, not even my own money. So it's very important that we as business people talk to each other so that we can also self-realize and make our own money. And that, I think, is a business gap that's missing in South Africa. In recent days, I've been listening to O-Class Masterclass. I've been listening to business influencers. I've been reading Richard Branson. I found a book on how McKinsey does their work and how they bring in um, uh, staff to create excellence so futures can be created. Talk to us about your team. I see it's only a team of women, very powerful and strong women. I see you have Debbie, who has, what, 22 years, over 22 years of experience as a banker. You have Zima Basu, who's been working uh, for 14 years in, uh, in the branding industry. Now, talk to us about your team. What is it that you are hoping to instill in people? So, you see, what I like about your question, you're also helping me to understand how we want to create a new future. So, for instance, Zim, you know, the general manager of uh, Tiger Brands, brings incredible experience. And every time I heard her speak, I realized that she's able to change my mindset. Debbie, I heard her speak at an alumni meeting of African influencers. And so when the idea, and I've been showing with this idea of masterclasses for the last six years or so. So the idea is to share. So every time we want to, we want to birth a new masterclass program in the business entrepreneurship arena for entrepreneurs and small businesses. The idea is to bring subject matter experts. So Zin, as an example, has now gone into her own business as an entrepreneur. But she's been able to buy time. So she's, she's 
you know, last I heard, she's, she's left work. She's now bought a brand new house. She's able, her kids go to uh, a school that they chose, uh, that other people may find very expensive to go to. Plus, she's put herself in a position to have enough cash flow to get by for the next year while she's able to think about what she wants to do. Debbie is someone who is able to shift my own thinking in how she believes JT Communications can reach their full potential, something that I hadn't thought about because the networks that I'm involved in don't think like this. They don't shift my mindset, and we have a positive mindset. So unless you are able to engage with people who know more than you and who are smarter than you, you will, re- you will remain uh, caught up in a nutshell. And so for me, the importance of coming across subject matter experts is something that excites me. The fact that we get shared in a room, you know, we're keeping it tight and closed. I must tell you, we had two places for 30 and all 30 are booked out. But the fact that we're going to digitally now record the conversations and, and use this content to educate other people or just share the information is what excites me about how relevant you can make digital and technology work in producing content. You know, cash flow is about breaking the code. How do we think differently about how we engage with our money? As an example, some things I learned in just preparing for January, you know, we lost a quite, we lost our time up, our time is up on the big account we have. And while we were overseas recently, I used some time to think, you know, do I feel sorry for myself and jump off a cliff? Or understand that I still want to be, travel, to be able to travel every year overseas like we do. And I want to understand how can I still have that cappuccino on my red velvet cake and still keep a business open. And simple things of like putting together a bank statement, putting your balance sheet out there, looking at your assets, your liabilities, who owes you money, who you owe money to is the most important thing. Don't have a blind spot, you know. Understand that the wheel of the economy is turned because it's money in, money out. And once you break a code of using money to the advantage it's meant to be used, you put yourself in a position where the elite live. You know, they're not you to engage other people's money. That's what they do. And simply breaking the code, I can give you an example of myself. I may not have access to liquid cash right now, but I have put myself in a position where I bought two new houses last year, so we own, we own a couple of them now. And we were able to walk into a, a, a store and, and, and buy the car we wanted using other people's money with the least amount of uh, interest. And this is the kind of lessons you want to learn from other people, but also teach and also infuse in what we can do. So cash flow is about knowing, uh, uh, speaking to influencers and knowing the value of money. You know, the reality is we have to buy school books. The reality is that kids have to go to school and they need to be clothed. So simple things, you know, it's amazing how many rich people go to the school swap shop while the poor will go to Edgar's and make an account. Simple things like using used books, buying used books and selling your books. Uh, using your excess bonds from your house to pay off all your credit card debt. So these are just simple solutions that I've sold uh, when I came back in January, I sold my generator because I'm having more faith in Eskom because it was in my garage. It was brand new. I took it back to the retail store. I got my 10,000 rand back, 
But even though I didn't receive cash, I received a gift card, which I'm now able to fix up one of the houses I bought. You know, it's a mindset shift. And we need African influencers to tell our story. And the more of us tell these stories, the more we will get um, an ecosystem of people that buy into it, and the more of us will practice doing well on uh, making sure that we have positive cash flow. You know, hand-me-downs, parties where you bring in share, uh, using one car instead of two. You know, you know, those are the kind of things, offering jobs that you can pay and making sure that you pay your debt. I think with a nation that lives in debt and we just take advantage of that opportunity and the portal that brings and we don't realize that it's it's also ungodly, it's unspiritual, it's not right. Uh, you know, because you don't know your non payment to someone puts could could have such negative um, uh, and, and cause a crisis in another family's life. And for me, as I grow older, the importance of making the cash actually flow means that you deal with facts, means you understand where you are in a business environment, in a personal environment, understand how much money you own, how much equity you own, what's your asset base, what's your liability. And these are things, until gives. You know, I must say to you, these are things that I have in a blind spot. I'm not sure about you, Sheila, but some things I just, like, you know, like, oh, my God, let somebody else think about it. But the hard fact is you've got to think about these things. You know, I don't do stupid things like pay my school fees up front anymore. You know, I pay it monthly. I realize you can pay it monthly in a way that the flow will enable me to have a 12-year progressively good life. And, and let me just give you a, a quick tip. Yeah. So I've, I've taken my Excel sheets, like, you know, my blind spot things you don't want to do. Start doing those things instead of wasting your time and dreaming up pie in the sky. So I put up, so if your listeners, are, uh, you know, have access to a, a computer or even just a page, take a, uh, take a double page, uh, a double page out of a book and just record January to December. Under that headline, it items to pay. Make sure that you give it a name. And you let it live on the spreadsheet. So an example, your school fees, assuming you have to pay 40000 like I do, or 42000 uh, My kids go to, a, my son goes to a public school, not a private school. So now I look at the school year and I say, okay, 10 months. So I'm in a fortunate position. My son is a part academic uh, scholarship. And so I look at, okay, what do I owe? And I divide it by 10 months. So it's no longer 25000 or 40000 it's like small chunks, like, okay, I've got to pay three, five years, which means I can pay my MNET. Then I can also make sure that I can give my contribution to church, which I want to. And then the most important part in giving, in doing this exercise, is to put yourself in a position to see how much you can give to somebody else. So, you know, I've just, on this cash flow mission, I cannot tell you how, how fulfilling it is to be able to give forward. So we've taken some things to an orphanage, and instead of giving to 20 or 30 people, this year we made sure that one one teenager was able to be um, uh, well-organized for himself, for his school year. We've done the same to two entrepreneurs, and I'm able to give my mom some hand-me-downs and people I know. So, so you know, it makes the um, cash flow materialize into relevance. And that, for me, is important as an entrepreneur. I'm passionate 
I'm no longer just doing charity for the sake of charity. I've also changed my mindset. So things like creating a job is very important. You know, at the core of everything else, what I would like to see is everybody having jobs. Because the more uh, you are empowered, the less likely you are. You know, if you have a hundred in your purse, you are less likely to get into idols, you know, things that are uh, not socially cohesive. So getting yourself into a job, having money, enables you to be able to engage with the economy of this country. It enables you to put bread on your table. I knew, you know, when, my, when, when I needed to get into this position about three years ago or four years ago, when the music industry where my income stream came from, suddenly died. I realized selling food in a free market, which I did for a while, before I launched Bunnies in the Burb, I saw the power of 100 rand, and I'll tell the story over and over and over again. With 100 rand in South Africa today, you can buy 10 loaves of bread. In fact, if you go to ShopRite Jackets, I know this because we manage Newtown Junction Mall, you get bread for 5 rand, so you divide it by 100 rand. That's 20 loaves of bread in your table. By 30 days for a family of four, you don't need to starve. Simple arithmetic. So, Kestro is about breaking the code. Here's the, in, the excellent thing. So I'm in a space where I've started engaging and using the business to use other people's money. So we're taking huge risks only because we now know what we own. We've monetized uh, the, the capital investment. We know what risks we've taken. And I've not done that spreadsheet. I would still be pie in the sky. So, you know, my, my um, challenge to you, Sheila, and people think, do the spreadsheet, if nothing else, you will change your mindset about wh- where you are in a business world in, 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 and in an economic world. Now, if you don't have a job, some things, I can tell you, I've started doing things like shopping for people. I say to them, fine, I'll sh- do your shopping. I charge him 200 bucks for it. I'm just giving you a simple example. You know, uh, look at your clicks card. Use your card to say, Listen, let me go and buy all your clicks. Take a, take a, a floor at work. Say, I'll go to clicks so and you get the points. Those points could translate into 500 bucks for you. So it's, that's what I want to encourage, a movement of how we can simply share money and create work. It's a very good initiative. I love it. But like you said, this is already fully booked and um, you are planning to launch it digital. How can people get in touch with this? Okay, so we're going to be having a series, so the next one will be about marketing. So how are we going to do this? We on, on YouTube, you know, the reason why we disrupting and using digital is because you can connect to a global community. So we're creating content differently these days. So we're still doing the same work we do, but we're more conscious in a business frame. If you go to www.jtcoms.co.za, that's our website, but you can engage with us on Instagram on Facebook, and on YouTube, we're on JTcoms TV. So it's JTcoms TV. And you can already see, we, I mean, we started with Bunnies in the Burr. There's lots of great stories on there. We want to have a monthly masterclass. A monthly. The idea is just to, to take it into churches, into school halls, into beer halls. So our idea is to share what we love, but also make money on it. We will definitely keep you posted. Maybe we should have one just for Radio Veritas. Listeners, I'm happy to do that. Wow. The, the other news is I'm a hustler. Yeah. I probably don't have money to go out for dinner. Uh, and I'd love to have a juicy chocolate steak. So we're cooking those at home. 
But, I mean, if you invite me, I'm going to come. But I also need to know what my limitations are. Because at the end of the day, I also owe people. So it's no use spending what I don't have. And I think that's what the cash flow wants us to do. Spending what we don't have is not supposed to happen. And where we can invest and grow businesses, that's where we should. The most important, Sheila, let me tell you, you know, your cousin or your friend who wants to borrow money from you and you're tired of turning them away, you may have the money, okay, you say to them, fine, I'm going to give it to you, but then choose your poison. Make them clean your house for you or clean your car. So either way, you're both win. It's a win-win. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the platform. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. No, there was something that and something that I left behind. When I leave this world, I'll leave no regrets. Leave something to remember so they won't forget I was here. That brings me up to time. You've been listening to your Thursday's edition of Catholic View right here on Radio Veritas. Remember that this program is produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, shayla at radioveritas.co.za. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Shayla Pirsch.